Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guests are Christy Wells and Brittany Dunn. They are the CEO and COO of Safe Health safehouseproject.org. Now, Safe House Project is a national leader in the fight against sex trafficking of children. Both of them are military spouses who left corporate America three years ago in pursuit of God's calling to combat evil. They both have their own catalyst moments where God opened their eyes to see sex, to see sex trafficking, what's going on in the world, how the evil is spreading and it's attacking our children. Now, for Christy, it was a, on a mission trip to Costa Rica. For Brittany, it was living in Nevada and seeing vulnerable youth recruited out of the high schools into the brothels. Now, their faith walk and the growth of this organization are one and the same. God continues to call these ladies into the dark and difficult parts of this issue with the constant reminder that their job is to obey and his job is to handle the rest. So please welcome to uh, Broken Catholic, the number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics, Christy Wells, Brittany Dunn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us here today. All right. So BC Nation, I've had uh, sometimes multiple guests on the show. So we do a little tag team Q&A back and forth just to make sense of it all. I had Mark Victor Hansen and his wife on the show. So we did that. Um, So I'll do the best I can with the questions. Let's open up first. Brittany. Take a minute, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. That's a great question. I think that for me personally, um, my heartbeat behind all of this is really the fact that there are so many people in my world who have not necessarily been victims of trafficking, but have been victims of sexual violence. And um, I am fortunate that that hasn't been my story. But I think that when I reflect on all the people who have walked into my world who have experienced that, I just felt compelled to be their voice because I know how hard it is to sometimes be the one who has to share that story. Yeah, for sure. May I ask you a personal question around that? Yeah. Do you ever feel imposter syndrome where, because it's not your personal story, like who are you to represent these gals and these victims? Yeah, I think that that's very real. I think at points it feels like, um, why should I be allowed to tell their story? And I think the other side of that is wanting to make sure that I'm stewarding them well. And so it is always about doing it with the humility that I'm not doing it to uh, exploit them or re-exploit them or sensationalize their story, but to give them a voice that maybe they're not wanting to have out there in the public realm, but they do want to see real change happen. Mm, Well said. 
<clears throat> Thank you for going there so quick. You see how I went deep dive right into that personal stuff? Okay. I'm relentless. Brittany, uh, sorry, Christy, uh, same question. Share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Um, I'm going to go with two. Uh, one is um, I used to be pretty much afraid of my own shadow. Um, standing, public speaking, anything like that would terrify me. And the only reason that that has changed is because God gave me a mission. And that is, um, so when people uh, hear that, you know. We lost you, Christy, for about. Yeah. So I think a lot of people see uh, those who are leading organizations and say that can't be me. Um, but for, for me, that that's very much what I thought that when God gives you a calling, he also can give you the voice. And it's, it's that old adage, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And so I share that for the perspective of helping other people be encouraged by if they have a calling, God will equip them. I think the other thing that I don't often share is that I think it, it could have been me. You know, when I look at this issue, and I look at the vulnerabilities of the girls, people often say, I just don't, I don't know how they could have ended up in that situation. Well, I've been at that point that I was a vulnerable youth looking for somebody to love me and had a lot of transitions going on in my world and had somebody who was manipulative and who thank God never got to the point of sex trafficking, but I have compassion for how girls end up in those situations at times, because you just never are looking for it. You never think that there's evil out there that could um, take advantage of your vulnerabilities and exploit those. Hmm. I think it, I think you bring up really good points there, right? Sometimes victims, whether it be domestic violence, sex trafficking, they tend to blame themselves, don't they? Like it's their fault that this happened. Somewhere along the line, they made a bad choice and now they're living the consequences of these choices. And many cases, as I'm sure you both know, right? And live day to day, that's not the case at all. Someone manipulated their trust, their vulnerability, uh, their innocence, um, their naivety, you know, I know a lot of girls that they're just very, you know, they were so young, they just didn't have life experience. So they're very naive to the evil in the world. So when someone said something, they would just trust them because that's how it was at home. You could trust everybody. And then they trusted the wrong person and they got pulled into something and then they got drugged and then they were no longer in control of their own self. Right. Speak to that for a second. Either one of you. Yeah. Right, go I ahead. think that, you know, so much of this is an evolution. And so at some point we believe that we make a personal choice in that the evolution of that violence. And that's when really the shame and guilt we start to own. And so that's what I see so often with some of our survivors is they may recognize that if it was early child trafficking and they were extremely young, they recognize that they were the victim, but at some point they go from feeling like a victim of something to feeling like they made that personal decision. And so then, then the enemy just goes after that. And he attaches so much shame and guilt to their soul that they don't know how to escape it. And they start to lock off parts of their life and parts of their trauma. And they kind of start to own things that God never intended for them to own. And so it is so much about the mental captivity in this issue than it is about ever physical captivity. It's about breaking through what um, the lies of the enemy and really replacing with that, with the truth that God has for us. So Brittany, you bring up a really good point there, right? You're saying that at some stage of the, 
the victimhood that they're in, they make a decision that, well, I had a decision somewhere that I made as, you know, an adult. And so now I'm guilty. It's my fault that I'm still in this, et cetera. And then that leads <clears throat> through the enemy's eyes to these feelings of not worthy of freedom. Like I don't deserve to be free. I don't deserve to have a normal life like I once had. Is that, is that correct? Speak to that. Yeah, it is. And I think that so often that can develop over time. I mean, we have survivors who they're, they started to be victimized as young as two, three years old, and they are living with um, the result of multiple traffickers, multiple individuals exploiting them. And the longer that the, uh, that their trafficking situation goes on, the more opportunities there are where they feel like, oh, well, I had that one moment where maybe I could have said something and I didn't, or I could have tried to uh, escape, but I didn't know how. And they, they own that, even though it isn't theirs to own, they don't recognize the trauma bond that they have in these situations that can really paralyze them in those moments from seeking the help that they need. Mm. Christy, anything you want to add to that? I think she said it all beautifully, actually. <laughs> I think it's something that we see so often. And I mean, as Brittany said, it's the the shackles of shame that really hold these girls captive. And I will say on the hope side of that, we have also seen how God can weave his way, kind of like water pouring into rocks. He can find his way into those deep crevices of their mind and can bring healing and, but it's only in a way that God can, because he, only he knows the things that they blame themselves for. Only he can speak to that. And Brittany and I, even with the survivors that we walk really closely alongside, it's constantly peeling back the onion and trying to address layer after layer of trauma and self-guilt and blame and all of that. But I will say that we have also seen just the incredible healing power of Jesus to say, I am here and I am covering all of this and to see those shackles fall and God do in a minute, what we couldn't do in a lifetime to support them. I really like, uh, just the, the visual image or mental image that you created there of the rocks and God's water just flowing around and over and through. And what I do in my day-to-day -day coaching is I help men, seven, eight figure men blow up the rocks in their life that are holding them back, right? Standing between them and their spouse, blocking intimacy, uh, connection with their kids, their teenage kids, or just uh, their own secret rock of addiction that weighs them down every single day. Mm -hmm. and, and I teach them how to just create that little access that allows God's light to come through. You use the image of water, but I use the image of light. And then God blows up the rocks. Like he blows up those rocks in our life and we all have them, whether, you know, you're, you're dealing with victims of sex trafficking or you're dealing with uh, victims of, you know, just physical abuse as children. They're still carrying that guilt and shame, the shackles of shame, you said, as adults. Now, BC Nation, as you're listening right now, one of you uh, is carrying shackles of shame from your childhood where you were a victim of someone else's violence and you're still imprisoned yourself, even though you're far away from that, that predator yet you still carry this mental prison around you at all times. And God wants to break through that. He wants to knock it down, blow it up to set you free. Even if you don't feel worthy, especially if you don't feel worthy, you don't need to just believe that you are because he said so he's God. And, and Christy, I like what you said that only God knows the human heart. Only God can see into each of our souls and see our stories and what we've been through. All right. So Absolutely. share with us a, 
a story from one of your um, uh, trafficked kids. I'm not even sure the right term. What's the right term for, for saying this? Survivor of trafficking? Yes, thank you. All right. So for one of your survivors, share a before and after uh, story with our listeners today. Yeah, before we go there, I think God is prompting me, though, to share something that you kind of touched on that I want to address. And that is so often that men don't know how to engage this issue, that this Mm. is something that is extremely challenging because of the shame that some men carry for their engagement in this issue, whether it's pornography, having engaged in some level of sex tourism, prostitution, that they, even after God blows up those rocks, they still are like, I can't because of my past. And I want to say that God has redeeming power for everybody who has a part in the greater fabric of what trafficking encompasses and that we need those men. We need godly men to stand up and really push the boundaries of their vulnerability and of their comfort level and step into this because this is not an issue that can only be solved by women and children. We have to all lean into what is the, um, what are the, the shame and guilt that we are carrying around sexual brokenness that prohibits us from really uh, serving vulnerable kids and individuals in our community. And I think that the longer that we allow for the enemy to have those footholds, the longer this issue will continue to persist in the United States. I agree. Thank you for bringing that up. All right. So let's, let's hold off on this story because you just went to a place that I think we need to go to. For the men listening to the show, and I have a lot of men that listen to the show, many of you have made choices in your younger years uh, that have hurt people. I know I have. Um, And many of you are still carrying that guilt and shame with you into your marriages, into your parenting. Um, And I personally know one gentleman uh, that uh, had an abortion, right, uh, with his girlfriend when he was about 19. Uh, He's probably going on 50 now, and he still weeps over it. He weeps over the shame that he killed his child. And he knows that. Uh, And he hasn't let go of that shame until very recently, probably the last six months. And now he's out sharing his story of that. And people are putting him on stages because of that male perspective. And he's very successful in business as well. So that helps. So what can men do? Right? Because it's one thing to say, hey, men, we need you. We need you. Men are like, I need specific instructions. I'm a man. Give me specific instructions. Give me a target and I'll hit it. Give me like just convict my heart, but don't give me how to do it. I'm going to get distracted and go back to my, my work, my business, my kids, my family. So how do men engage? What are, what specific steps do they need to take? Either one ladies. Yeah. I would say the first thing is do something. And I know that that's very broad, but um, as soon as they can recognize that they have a place in this, then there is value, but it can go two ways. It can say, it is the, it is them saying, this is my story. This is the part that I played in it. And I am no longer going to stand in the shadows and hide what I did. I am going to come forward and say, this is what I did. And this is how God has redeemed me. And this is not okay. And that could be doing that in a public setting. That could be doing that in a private setting. That could be understanding this issue more through education and speaking into their community of other men and raising up other men to say, Hey, this was my past and this may be yours, but we have a place in this to combat trafficking. But the other thing that I want to encourage them is that if they're not at a place that they're comfortable with sharing their past 
and they say, my past doesn't give me authority to speak to this issue. I will speak to that from a parenting perspective. I have done some stupid things in my childhood and my kids now will do some of those same stupid things, but I'm not the moral law. So when I come to them and I say, don't make these mistakes, it's not, well, you'd made those mistakes. So why can't I do those same things? I'm not the standard. Christ is the standard. And so the authority from which men can approach this issue and say, this is not okay, is not saying I am a moral superior. Therefore I am the standard. Therefore people should not engage because I'm saying don't engage. It's Christ has put value on these people. And in my effort to be more like Christ, I am putting value on these people and saying it's not okay. And we need to stand in the gap for them. So I don't want people to think that they have to be the moral standard in order to hold a line. Um, but I would say that it is first recognizing that they have a voice in this space, either from their story or from the authority of Christ. Second of all, becoming educated. I think education is the first step for anybody to combat trafficking. They can do that by going to IamOnWatch.org and taking a training that is survivor written, survivor led, survivor informed, and the survivors sharing their story and how if less about the horrific things that happened to them behind closed doors, but more about their intersection points with community members and how if people had been able to see something and understand what they were looking at, they could have interceded in that survivor's story and, and maybe stop that trafficking situation earlier. And so that one step that somebody can take is to go to IamOnWatch.org and take the training and become educated on the signs of trafficking because they have the power to intercede. Maybe as a parent, maybe there's a kid that's coming into their home that's being trafficked that they had no idea. Or maybe there is a teacher at a school who's trafficking youth that they might've missed the signs, but through the training, they're gonna be able to see something and say something. The power of being educated is substantial in terms of what it can do for survivor identification. Brittany, anything you wanna to add to that? No, I think that you know on the education side, Christy nailed it. I think on just the other side of that is really recognizing that you know they have such a strong voice to the next generation of men. And so by them standing up, it's breaking the generational impact of this issue and the generational sin that, um, and those lies. And so their voice is once they are educated, it equips them with the knowledge and the information that they need to stop this in its tracks. And I think that is really incredible because, uh, we know that a lot of kids are growing up in fatherless homes. And so by men stepping up and filling that gap, we are protecting the next generation. So speak to us about addressing the symptoms of sex trafficking versus addressing the core problem. Um, how do we eliminate the demand? Um, because where there's demand and there's money flowing, right? There's going to be, this will continue. It just will continue. So what I see, because I get to work with these men, I see the brokenness in them. I see the rocks in them. Um, and many of them are have porn addiction when they come to me. Um, and if they have porn addiction, they're probably acting out as well in sex trafficking. Uh, which is very tragic. And I remember when I was in my prodigal son years in Scottsdale, Arizona, um, I got to see uh, this whole nightlife, uh, an entire culture that happens in the nighttime that it's like a subculture that I did not know existed. Like I was completely naive to that. I thought, oh, during the day, everyone goes to work and does their thing and stuff. And then at night, I saw all these businessmen that had flown in from all around the United States to do their business conferences in Scottsdale uh, were hiring all these uh, prostitutes and young girls and paying for sex um, and then going home to their wives like nothing happened, uh, going home to their kids who are probably the same ages as some of these girls. 
And I was like, I had no idea like this happened. Like who does this? But this is rampant, right? This is epidemic. This is the real epidemic, I think, uh, is the attack on the men's heart and his sexual his sexuality, because that causes the whole breakdown in the whole chain. So speak to us about that. Like, how do we put a dent in that in the core issue, the brokenness in, in men? Yeah, I mean, I think that that is something like we know that this is supply and demand, like where you're talking, you know, this is business, this is industry, like this is one of the top two illegal industries in the world. And to your point, it it ends when we end the demand. And I think that um, a lot of it is the, 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 that porn is the gateway drug into engagement. And so if we are not taking the necessary steps to either protect ourselves from the introduction of porn into our lives or our kids' lives or those that we can influence at a young age, if we aren't taking the steps to demand that of our legislators or demand it of the businesses that we support and the uh, really of how culture interacts with this, then we are allowing um, that gateway drug, for lack of a better term, to exist. And we have to stand up to that. We have to, you know, install technology on our phones to keep us accountable or on our children's devices to keep them accountable, have the hard conversations around what that means for, you know, young boys starting to see it really don't shy away from hard conversations is really what it comes down to, but recognize that there is grace. It is going into that with a, from a standpoint of saying that when you're having those conversations with youth, that we all mess up and that there is grace that can cover this, but this is the, what the impact of it is. It isn't just about you. It's about all these other people that it impacts and showing that, you know, those decisions aren't just hurting you, they're hurting others. And I think that we have to kind of uh, increase the aperture of how we evaluate our own decisions when it comes to issues of sexual sin and sexual brokenness. And when we do that, we <clears throat> allow for those deeper healing opportunities to enter in. I think that we all need accountability partners, men and women, when it comes to sexual brokenness. Men may struggle with pornography, but women have areas of sexual brokenness as well. And we all have to step into that and not shy away from it because sexual brokenness is what allows for Satan to continually come at us in all these different ways. And one of the outcomes of that is sex trafficking. Got it. Yeah. Uh, Christy? Yeah. Um, so I think the church has an incredibly powerful place in addressing this issue, in addressing pornography addiction head on and saying, this is not okay. Like the church has to be the leading voice in addressing pornography and sexual sin addiction. I 100% believe, but then I think it's about equipping the next generation. So to the point that I was saying earlier, so my husband has had pornography exposed, you know, that he was exposed to early on. It was something that I think was probably there at the start of our marriage. God did a work and it's, it's no longer been anything in his world, but I have 10 year old little boys. One of them was exposed to pornography through it. Just it's iPads and those kind of things these days showed up. Then it got curiosity and he started looking and thank God we had the technology that flagged it. And we got to sit down and have a really strong conversation with him. But this week began the birds and the peace conversation with my sons. And pornography is going to be part of that conversation. And my husband telling my sons that pornography is wrong is not from the standpoint of, well, I've never done it. Therefore, I can tell you not to do it. It's, hey, this has been a part of my world and a part of my past. And I'm not okay with that. But I'm not the standard bearer. You know, I can tell you what damage this has caused. I can tell you what damage it can cause in marriages and in relationships. But 
you have to look at the standard of Christ and who Christ says they are and who Christ says you are and who your identity is in. And that is giving the kids a solid foundation to understand sex and not shying away from those conversations and pointing to Christ as the standard and pointing to the dignity and value and worth of other people is so important. So I think the church has to lead the conversations. I think parents have to address their own sexual sin. They have to barrel into those conversations with their kids and be at the forefront of having them because if you don't teach your kids, somebody else is going to. And making sure that your kids have the right biblical perspective of sex is so important to make sure that they are equipped to move forward as adults and view others in a biblical way. So BC Nation, uh, I think what I'm hearing from Christy and Brittany here is that uh, you it starts at home. That's right. That's where it starts. It starts in your own family, having that conversation with your children, with your spouse. Um, and it starts early, more early at an age that's earlier than you're comfortable with speaking with your kids. Because this is the, these are the times we're living in. Kids are being exposed to pornography starting around 10, 11, 12, and 13. Okay, that's the average national statistic. So Christy, thank you for sharing that story with your son, 10 years old, exposed to porn. You nipped it in the bud. You're having the conversation. I like that you said I ha- we, had a, we had a strong conversation. It wasn't a light surface conversation with them. It was, no, like an emphatic black and white, this is what's going on, this is why it's wrong, and this is the cost and the price you'll pay, and it's we're shutting it down because right. we love you conversation, right? right. And that's, that's everything. And I know for some of you parents out there, you don't want to have the birds and bees conversation for, with your kids yet because it was awkward when your parents did it to you, and maybe they didn't present in the way you thought was cool back then. Well, guess what? You're not them. So do it correctly. But do it and do it early because I get to coach your future kids when they're grown men and women, okay, because pornography is becoming epidemic across the female population now, too, because of the sexual brokenness that Brittany spoke about, okay? And I get to coach your future kids, and they've been addicted to porn for 15 years. That's much harder to break at that point than, you know, your son is a week in and and just being curious to what he's seeing. So if you're a loving parent and you're listening, and I know you're a loving parent, you're a good person, you're a beautiful human, you love your children, you love your spouse, then have the uncomfortable conversation with your kid before the enemy steals their soul. Like, let's be real. What do you want to lady, ladies add to that? Anything? I think that the important link there into trafficking for people to understand is how easy trafficking can come into play as soon as porn is introduced. There was an incident mm-hmm. with some of the kids in Christie's neighborhood where one of the other little boys who had been exposed to porn told another 10 year old girl that she could make a lot of money for taking new photos of herself and putting, and he could put them on the internet. If he had done that and he had gotten a 10 year old, his 10 year old friend in the neighborhood to take nude photos of herself and put them and he put them on the internet and earn money from that, he would have been a sex trafficker because he would have been making money for commercial sex and exploiting somebody else. That is how easy the line is. There are definitely more extreme versions of sex trafficking and, you know, where you haven't gotten into depth on what those can be. And that's okay because we don't need to, if we can show you that the line is so easy to cross unintentionally. And that's what we all have to recognize is that it starts with one small decision. And that's where that girl then thinks that it's her fault when somebody's victimizing her four years down the line because she couldn't get out of it. And somebody's asking her to do more and more and blackmailing her. And so it is about these baby steps that create this massive issue. And so that is the importance of us 
educating ourselves to have these important conversations and to prevent it before it starts. Powerful. Speak to me about church involvement, right? Christy, you alluded to it. You said the church needs to take a stand. The church needs to be emphatic and clear on this issue that it's not okay and call out the men in the, in the pews, right? Call out the women, the moms, speak to your kids about this, like bring this issue to the forefront, but it's not happening. When was the last time you heard a pastor say this from the pulpit? Never. So what do we do? Like yeah. what is my listeners are starting to get convicted to this, right? They're realizing that their kid could be next and they love their children. So they're also hearing that they need to stop being naive to the issue. It's happening. It's happening at a super young age. Their kid is very much at risk, like a huge percentage at risk. Um, that 10 year old boy story with the 10 year old girl story, like that's wildly crazy and Right. And, and the kid's probably just being innocent, but in like, he has his own little dysfunction way of thinking going on at 10 years old. He's undeveloped and he just thinks, oh, I can make money. It's like a lemonade stand. Let me go ask Julie, you know, and, and, and he's not being evil, but he's being manipulated just because that's what porn does. So how do we get our church leaders to take a stand? How do we get our pastors to speak up when maybe they're dealing with their own shame from all the sex traffic or, or whatever uh, scandal with kids and minors and everything in the church and all the brokenness within there. Right. Like speak to that ladies go there. Come on. I went there. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to say this is not even church leadership addressing a congregation congregation. This is church leadership starting at the top. We had a trafficking survivor who reached out to us a couple of days ago who was talking about her trafficking situation and said that she didn't want to press charges on the tracking situation because she knew that the, the pastor actually is already in jail for child pornography. And she told me this city that this happened in. So I thought, well, I, I want to see kind of what, what the story was there. So I looked up mega church in that city. Do you know that there were eight mega churches in the last five years that have had pastors arrested for child pornography? Eight mega churches. So this is not even just a, this has got to stop at the start at the top and then it can trickle down. And so that is coming to pastors addressing their own sin. You know, this is something that they've got to get real humble. And I know we've got so many friends that have dealt with pornography addiction. There's some incredible fighters in the anti-trafficking space that are here because they began with a pornography addiction. And now they're on the other side of this fight, but they will tell us all the time how isolating it is, how much they believe that they are the only ones that are facing this, how much shame they have. And Satan just makes their world smaller and smaller and smaller by making them believe that they are the only ones. And I think that isolation tactic is the thing that is going to keep so many people from coming forward. And so when you look at celebrate recovery or those kind of things in the church, and it's you know, alcoholism, when somebody is an alcoholic, yes, that's isolating, but there are support groups in the church for people to address those addictions, but you don't see that same level of support when somebody comes forward with pornography. It's almost like it's this different taboo subject. And so I think it begins with pastors confessing and leading from the front. And then I think it comes with them creating those support groups in their church and making this a conversation that is brought constantly into the light because Satan is going to continue to allow something to grow and fester if there is darkness that is permitted in the church over this issue. Christy, I don't want to minimize what you just said at all. 
I agree with what you just said. However, I do want to uh, push back on the objection most likely in those pastors' minds is that, hey, it is different if I come forward with this because there can be criminal charges involved, right? I can be arrested, right, for uh, for child pornography, sex trafficking of minors. So like for them to reveal their own sin in the matter mm-hmm. could lead to them being arrested and their life going to crap, so to speak, really quickly. So mm-hmm. there's a natural fight and flight survival instinct that will prevent them from doing that. Speak to yeah. us about that if you can, because I think that's a very real objection. I think that think? from a pastoral standpoint, there is a difference between having to come out in front of your entire congregation and own that versus the accountability of, that pastors have to be in shoulder to shoulder relationship with other pastors. And so there is also opportunity for them to to create those networks of individuals that they can trust and then figure out the best way for them to handle that. It isn't asking every, we don't want to see pastors across the entire United States all of a sudden being like, I saw this once and all of a sudden we have all these pastors in jail. That's not the intent. The intent is the heart change. It is the repentance. It is turning from it and fleeing from it and then leading from that standpoint. And so it might come a time where they can say that I had a pornography addiction and not that that had to have been even children. Like, you know, you don't have, it doesn't even have to be child pornography for it to be an issue that Satan is going to use. And so it is really, I think about, to Christy's point, I think it's just that we all have to address it. We all have to look within ourselves, whoever we are, and we have to, And but the church leadership is where it starts, just like in anything. You can look at corporate America and say the same thing to your point about what was happening in Scottsdale. That's corporate leaders saying, do you know what? I'm going to lead from the front and have a zero tolerance policy around pornography on uh, corporate devices. And we are going to train our people to spot suspected trafficking so that when they are at huge conferences and they see somebody that they don't know is really over the age of 18, they feel equipped to say something and know how to go about that. And so I think there's a lot of different people who can engage to see the demand eradicated. Got it. So my listener is sitting at home right now, or they're at the gym listening with their earbuds in to the show and our conversation, and they've been hanging in there this whole show and their, their heart's getting convicted, right? The Holy Spirit's pressing on them right now. Do something, do something more than nothing, but they don't know what the something is. They don't know what's that simple next step. And BC nation, like when going back to all the way full circle here, when you take that one step, God will show you the next step. But you got to take the first step. It's the faith step, right? The first step is always the most difficult step, right? So what does that first step look like, ladies? What can they do? Like, seriously? I would say if somebody has a heart to address trafficking, I would say I'm going to give them step one and I'm going to give them step two. Step one is to go on and take the I am on watch training. Because again, that is going to be the most powerful way to equip somebody because sometimes our heart is drawn towards an issue, but we don't fully understand what that issue is. And we don't understand how much God can even grow our perspective um, through education. So I, first step is take the training at IamOnWatch.org. The second step is to email us directly and we're going to set up a conversation and we're going to talk to you about your next steps because we don't even like to pinpoint or pigeonhole somebody into, well, just reach out to an anti-trafficking organization and volunteer because you know what? Our organization has grown leaps and bounds, not because we have um, volunteer opportunities for people to come and work with survivors, but because our organization actually brings funding to the fight against trafficking by engaging with corporate America. And so some of our strongest volunteers are powerhouse business leaders who are um, using their business skills and their business savvy to say, hey, 
if we need to develop a training that needs to be integrated into a learning management system for a Fortune 500 company to train and equip those employees on how to spot trafficking, then there are specific skill sets that need to be done for that. So those we have people who volunteer with us to make that happen so we can bring education into corporate America. But we don't know what skill set somebody has until we talk to them. So we want to use the skills and the strengths that God's already built into people to equip them to engage in the fight. This isn't about them developing a new skill or a new gear. This is what are the tools in your tool belt that God's already given you? And how do we apply those into a very big, um, big fight? So I am on watch.org and info at safehouseproject.org. And we will get you plugged into your next steps. All right, BC Nation. All you have to do is show up with your one talent. Just show up on the call with your one talent. What did God give you? You don't even need, <clears throat> need to know what it is. Christy and Brittany will help you find it and then connect it to what they're up to in the world, right? Join the fight. Don't just freeze up. Don't get convicted and then feel paralyzed because you don't know enough about the cause. Let these ladies educate you. Go use their free resources. This is the way to do it. Take that one step, one step. That's it. All right. So um, we are speaking with uh, Kristen well Christy Wells and Brittany Dunn. They are the CEO and COO of Safe House Project, which is a national leader in the fight against child sex, sex trafficking. Uh, you can find them at safehouseproject.org. And ladies, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Sure. And we'll just go back and forth. We'll probably do five questions each. Okay. All right. First up, Brittany, what's your favorite thing about God? That he never leaves us or forsakes us. Got it. Christy, what's your least favorite thing about God? That there are some questions on why he doesn't intercede that I don't understand yet. Yeah, I get that. All right. And we'll just alternate. So Brittany, you're up. What are you most afraid of? Spiders. <laughs> Got it. Christy, uh, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of being human. What are you currently struggling with right now, either personally or professionally? I would say making sure that I don't take the sharp, um, as Brittany always says, it's kind of the sharp pieces of glass, those shards that we collect through walking alongside survivors and turn around and use those to cut those that we love the most um, because we don't know how to compartmentalize the trauma. Hmm. So does that mean kind of like not bringing it home with you or mm -hmm. not bringing it. it home with us, not letting it affect other parts of our lives that our families or our friends didn't ask for? Yeah. Well said. Well said. Uh, Brittany, what did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Um, spending a lot of time with Christy. I think our families have spent every holiday together. Um, we are, we are. Uh, that was too honest. Yeah. <laughs> I think our husbands feel like they both have two wives at this point too. They really love that they now have two of us to deal with on any given day. That's awesome. Uh, Christy, what secret fear do you have about people? Ooh. That they are not who they represent themselves to be. Ah, got it. Brittany, what do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Oh, that's a good one. I think that... I think that he, he truly called us to respond to the deepest, darkest parts of humanity and that his calling wasn't to just go talk about it, about who he was. His calling was to go and do. And I feel like that if I had truly understood 
the battle cry that he um, deployed standing on top of the rock at Caesarea Philippi to literally storm the gates of Hades and protect the vulnerable and to be his hands and feet and to go out to heal the nations and to cast out demons and to be there for other people in the darkest parts of their life, I would have been in this fight a whole lot sooner. Preach, girl, preach. Christy, uh, what's a new habit you want to create in your life? (laughs) I'm going to give you a serious answer. Um, A new habit I want to create in my life is actually having red time, having time that I shut down and that I'm not working. We are incredibly passionate about our work, but Brittany and I are also complete workaholics because we don't know how to say no to certain circumstances. And we, um, so I actually would like to be better about creating more red space in my life where, and red times where I am focused solely on family. Yeah, for sure. Because you don't want to be out saving other families and then yours slips away, right? Exactly. That's, that's a very common thing. Got it. Uh, Brittany, what's a bad habit you want to break? Um, so I've had the unique opportunity of trying to run this organization for the past year with having my children at home, like many, and pretty sure that I am not as gracious toward them as I am towards other people. And so trying to extend a three and a five-year-old grace, but maybe they don't know everything yet. Yeah, I got that. All right, Christy, pick three words to describe who you are now. Relentless. coachable. And I don't know if it's a word, but vivaciously chasing after the Lord. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, here's a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I even phrase? I don't know this, what, Brittany, what the word is for that. Brittany, pick three words to describe who you were before God called you into this mission field. Timid not a runner and not a public speaker. Got it. See that BC nation. Is that you? No excuses. Take the next step. God's got something big for you. And last question. This goes to both of you. Krista, you first, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends, your little kitties, your husband in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about everything, all that you learned picked up during life. What would you say to them? We serve a big God, so don't shy away from the audacious belief that through him you can change the world. Brittany? Yeah, I think similarly that when you step into what God has called you to under his anointing and you act with 20 seconds of insane courage, you can change the world. (laughs) 20 seconds of insane courage, BC Nation. That's all it takes. Any final wisdom, ladies? What's the one thing you want my listeners to know about getting involved in the fight against sex trafficking? What did we not say yet? What's, the, what's that one thing you want them to know? I think I want them to know that the survivors that we get to serve are some of the most incredible, um, loving, disciplined. They are fighters. They, they are the most, God has given them extra gears and they are going to, when we come alongside and support them, when we come alongside and provide aftercare, when we come alongside and step into their stories, we are equipping not just ourselves to see the miracles, but the world to see the miracles and see lives truly transformed and changed. And when we do that, 
we get to show the world that there, that every story can be redeemed. Mm, so good. You need incredible resilience to survive that kind of abuse for so many years, right? Incredible resilience. Uh, anything from you, Christy, final wisdom? Um, I would say Safe House Project has an audacious goal on our website, and it's the vision to eradicate child sex trafficking in America by 2030. But we don't have that goal up there because it's our goal in our fight alone. We have that up there as a battle cry, as a call to action for everybody, because that's the only way that we are going to eradicate this issue is every individual, every corporation, every community, every legislator stepping in saying, what part do I play to eradicate this issue? And so if you are listening, the question isn't, do I have a place here? The question is, what place do I have here? Because you are part of the answer and you are part of the solution because God has built you with a unique skill set. And so we hope that you will step, put away the fears that God has, that maybe that you have, and hear God's cry to say, go and do and serve and love because every one of these individuals has dignity and value and worth as a human being and not as a commodity. And you as the hands and feet of Jesus have a place to show them that and to help end this slavery in America. Awesome finish. Uh, what is the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you, to get involved? I know you gave the, the two. Anything else you got for them? Let's visit safehouseproject.org. Follow us on Instagram, but we just appreciate your time. All right. Christy Wells, Brittany Dunn, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your lives. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net 
and let's see if I'm your guy.